this morning, I would like you to turn to the book of Psalm, chapter 1. Go to the very middle of your Bible, the book of Psalms, and uh, go to chapter, chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1. And while you're, while you're turning there, I just want to, I don't know, again, I mentioned this last week, I don't know who you are, but I really like your style. The, uh, I mentioned last week that somebody has been slipping bumper stickers under my door, um, and they're all related to this m- series of messages uh, that, that we finished up last week, this series of messages dealing with the life and the ministries and the miracles that God used through these men, Elijah and Elisha, in the books of First and Second Kings, and had a lot of fun. Well, um, uh, uh, I, I mentioned, I was just kidding, actually, last week I said that we've got, you know, uh, security cameras to identify who you are. Um, we, we don't really, so you, you could have done this, but I came home last night, checked the mail, got home about 9 o'clock last evening, checked the mail, and, and they didn't slide it, they stuck it in my mailbox this week. Uh, so it says, even when dead, them dry bones give life. I really like that one. And so uh, I, I just, I, again, I don't know who you are, but you're sneaky and I like your style. So I, I, I think that's just really, really, that's, that's really cool. I think that one, I, I might put that one up on, my, on my, the bumper of my vehicle just, just to get some, some reaction, see what people see. So I really like that. Psalm chapter 1 is where we're looking at this morning. And I want you to see, I want you to see there in in your Bibles, that first word in the first verse of the first f- psalm is the word blessed. You see that word there? The first word of the first verse of the very first psalm is the word, is the word blessed. Blessed. Uh, it, it means, the word blessed means to be set apart or to be favored by God. It, it, when, when we say, God bless you, or when, when we say, I want God's blessing, it means we want God's favor upon us, that he, he sets us a, apart for something. That's one of the meanings of it, one of the very clear meanings of it is to be set apart or favored by God. How many here, now I need you to, I need, this is your opportunity for participation. How many here this morning want to be blessed by God? Go ahead and raise your hands, yeah. Yeah, almost to a person, right? I, I don't see any hands that didn't go up, but, but the, 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 uh, uh, we want God's blessing upon us to be set apart, to be favored by God. It goes on to say this, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of, of mockers. Now stop there. That's just verse 1. These words, these words of verse 1, you see a couple of different dynamics happening here. It tells us that blessed persons will distance themselves from certain things. Now, there's, there's a lot here, and I'll, I'll go into this briefly, but there's more to come. Uh, it, it says here that the blessed person will, will not do certain things. They will distance themselves from certain things. They will distance themselves from the counsel or the advice of wickedness. They will distance themselves from the way of sinners. They will distance themselves from the seat of mockers. And there's a lot there. There's a lot that we could actually drill down to in that one verse 
that, that if you want to be blessed, there are certain voices that we are not to listen to. That's what verse 1 is telling us. But it's the next verse that I want to focus on this morning. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, again, you often see the reference to him or his here. This, is, this refers to any person. It's not, it's not gender specific just to men. This is, this is men and women. The person, the person the, their, if their delight is in the law of the Lord on his law, on God's law, that person meditates day and night. When it says here, his law or the law, it means the Bible. When this was being written, and this is one of the Psalms of, of David, when this was, was being written, they did not have the entire Bible as you and I have the Bible. When it says here, the law or his law, it's specifically talking about the first five books of our Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These, these five books that are called the, the, the books of the law. What, what he's essentially saying here, that the blessed person will look to the Word of God, the Bible as they had it, but it, it applies to all of the Bible, that the blessed person will focus upon the Word of God, the Bible. It essentially means that blessed people will devote themselves to what the Bible says. That if you really want to be blessed of God, you will devote yourselves to what God's Word says. So we, we, in verse 1, we see that we are to distance ourselves from certain voices. And there are a lot of voices who will want to give advice and counsel and, and, and direction to people today uh, and then. But we are to distance ourselves from certain voices, and we are to listen to the voice of God through His Word. That's what verses 1 and 2 are telling us. That we are to distance ourselves from one, but we are to give our attention to the directions of the other. Distancing and devoting. And the results, look at verse 3. The results are in verse 3. It says, those persons will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Verse 3 is a powerful promise, but they're conditional upon, <coughs> excuse me, verses 1 and 2. It says those persons who distance themselves from some voices and devote ourselves to God's word and his voice we will be, that person will be firmly planted. That's, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it, right? When, when, when you see storms come and yet that, that tree that is planted in good ground beside that water is going, to be, is going to be firmly planted. Regardless of what comes, they're going to be able to make it through. Firmly planted, fruitful. So there's, there's something that comes from it. Not just taking up space. Not just planted, but fruitful. And, and not withering. In other words, when, when the, the, again, the harsh time comes, it doesn't, it doesn't give up its leaves. It, it prospers and it, it, it develops in whatever we do. That is the blessed life. It's a powerful text. Some of, some of you 
are familiar with this text to <clears throat> excuse me to others here this morning perhaps this is this is very new but we it says again verse 1 we distance ourselves in verse 2 we devote ourselves to his word and then in verse 3 it gives us this this amazing amazing promise so that's what the bible that's what the bible just in one place there are many places where it, the bible speaks of itself and how blessed we are to to study the word of god but that's what the bible says about the bible now hang on stay with me i i want to also share this morning what gq magazine says about the bible now i i can honestly tell you that I didn't think that I would ever stand up here and be quoting from GQ magazine. Some of you are familiar with it. GQ magazine stands for Gentleman's Quarterly Magazine. It is a men's fashion magazine. Obviously, I do not uh, subscribe to it. In fact, I, I'm quite confident I've never picked up or read or opened a, a copy of GQ magazine. I'm more of a I'm more of a old truck magazine or something like that kind of, you know, that, I, I tend towards that. Um, uh, if, if Pastor Brad gets GQ, so you can see him afterwards. And <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't, you, okay, not sure. All right. <laughs> the reason I shared is I, I didn't read it from GQ. I, I did later on online, but I I heard about it through another source, through another, it was through USA Today, they quoted, made some of these quotes from GQ magazine, and so I found the article and, and read it. There was an article a little bit more than a year ago, a year and a half ago, April of 2018, an article in GQ, Gentleman's Quarterly Magazine, received a great deal of attention. In fact, some of you may have heard about it or read portions from it. The article's title was 21 Books You Don't Need to Read Before You Die. 21 Books You Don't Need to Read Before You Die, which is kind of a clever, um, uh, engaging title because often you will see, you know, titles like 20 books or 21 books or 10 books you need to read before you die. Well, this kind of takes the opposite approach. In other words, these are books that everyone talks about or is aware of, or that are uh, pointed to often, but you don't really need to, to read them because they don't relate or don't apply or have little relevance. 21 books, the title of the article, 21 books you don't need to read. And among the 21 books not to read, number 12 on their list was the Bible. The Bible. The author of the article said this is one number 12 on the books on the list of books not to read. The the article's author wrote this about the Bible. He said or wrote it is repetitive, self-contradictory, foolish, and even at times ill-intentioned. Again, it's you see it there on the screen in front of you. He wrote it is repetitive, self-contradictory, foolish, and even at times ill-intentioned. Now, now the author's words, though, though wrong, were really, when I read it and read about it, were really not a big surprise, I'll be honest with you. Um, no other book in history 
No other book in history has been so consistently disparaged as the Bible. So many persons before this author, and and there will certainly be many, many more after what was written, have roundly and consistently uh, dismissed and disparaged the Bible. The Bible, and some of you know this, the Bible is a very... It's a very easy target. Now, you have to understand, I'm, I'm not a critical person, but I, I did just a, a little bit of uh, research, just a little bit of digging, and I, and I, I began wondering, what, what is the circulation of GQ magazine? And I looked up the, the monthly circulation of GQ magazine, and I, and I found this out, that from 2014 to 2019, that five-year span of time, from 2014 to 2019, the circulation of GQ magazine has dropped by 90%. That's significant. Um, if, that, if that death spiral continues, if that death spiral continues, uh, GQ magazine will not last another five years if it continues in that downward trend, which it, it quite likely would. But I also, you probably saw where I'm going with this, I also looked up uh, the production numbers of the Bible. <laughs> and I found that in print form alone, in print form alone, uh, the paper and ink, right? Just in print form alone, more than 100 million copies are produced every year. But again... Attempts to diminish the Bible's influence is absolutely nothing new. Satan has attempted to undermine God's Word from the very beginning. Did you know that? That from the absolute very beginning, he has tried to undermine God's Word. Satan's first words in the Bible. (coughs) Excuse me. Satan's first words recorded in the Bible spoken to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, were the four words, did God really say? You see, God had given Eve and Adam a promise or a directive. And and then along comes Satan, and in his first recorded words in Scripture, Satan undermines God's words. Did God really say? And still to this day, and, and if you start noticing it, or if you, if you can identify it, you will notice it more and more, people essentially saying, did God really say? Is this really God's word? Is that promise still true to today? Did God really say? Now, again, I, I've never quoted GQ magazine before, and I probably will never again in any other message, but I, I read that, that portion of the article that pertained to the Bible. I read that part. It's not long, but I read it in its entirety. The author of that GQ article did, however, make a very disturbing and... I have to say it's sadly true observation. He wrote this. 
The Bible is rated very highly by all the people who supposedly live by it, but who in actuality have not read it. It's brief, let me read it again. The Bible is rated very highly by all the people who supposedly live by it, but, in, but who in actuality have not read it. That statement's a bit bothersome. It is. That, that, that statement is just a bit bothersome. Now please, my purpose this morning is, is not to embarrass, it's not to humiliate It's not in any way to be condescending. It's not to put you down. But while most of us here this morning would disagree soundly with that first statement that you saw up a few moments ago from that article, that it's foolish, it's ill-intentioned, don't raise your hands, don't identify in any visible or audible way But have you read the Bible? Just answer it, ask it and answer it to yourself. Have you read the Bible? Oh, certainly there are parts of it that most of us have read, but really, have you read the entire Bible? We, we love God's Word, and we say that we love God's Word, and, and, and I don't doubt that. I, I, don't, I don't question the fact that people are devoted to it. But have you read it? And do you read it? The answer can be really disturbing. He said it's rated very highly by all the people who supposedly live by it, but in who in actuality have not read it. You know, our access to the Bible is greater than ever. We have greater access to the Word of God than any, I think, any other time in history. As I mentioned a few moments ago, more than 100 million, that's that's a hard number to get our heads around, but more than 100 million copies are made every year. Many of them given away, a few sold, but most of them given away around the world. In fact, 80%, this is a remarkable statistic, 80% of the world's population has the entire Bible, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Every one of the 66 books of the Bible translated into their language. 80% of the world's population has the entire Bible translated into their first language. If you were to factor in the, the, uh, many times the first thing to be translated in a new language or a language where it has not been translated, uh, they will translate the, the Gospel of John um, or, uh, and then the goal then would be the entire New Testament or the book of Acts somewhere in there and then eventually the entire. If you were to factor in uh, uh, those who have not only the entire Bible, but the New Testament, or at least one of the Gospels, now you're in the high 90% of the world have at least one portion, significant portion of 
God's word translated into their own language so that even if they cannot read, that they're not literate, then someone who is of their own language can read it to them and they have access to the word of God. 80%, the entire word, high 90s, a portion of God's word. All of the major languages have excellent Bible translations, making it more readable and understandable than ever before. I'm not talking a translation that is two or three or four or 500 years old, but, but a translation that is, that is a good translation that is very, very readable. You, you factor into that then digital Bibles. Many of you have one. My wife, I noticed she read from a digital Bible. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't put that down. That's a Bible. That, that, some of you have that on your phones. We have that on our computers. We have it on our tablets. I will often use mine. I, I will, I, if I'm traveling, I'll often plug it in and listen to the Bible as I'm, as I'm driving. Thank God for it. We have amazing access to the Bible more than ever before. And yet with all of its availability, it is estimated that in our nation, in our nation, in the United States of America, fewer people are actually reading or studying the Bible. We have greater access to it than ever before, but we, we're, we're failing often when we, it comes to reading it or studying it. In a, in a not very distant, just in the last few years, survey conducted by the Barna Research Group, it was revealed that over half, over half of churchgoers cannot identify basic biblical principles. For example, they say that Jesus is divine, that he is the Son of God, but cannot identify where in Scripture it explains it. They believe that salvation is possible in Jesus Christ alone, but they've not read and cannot find where in the Bible it explains that. That there is a heaven to gain and a hell to avoid, that is a true doctrine that that is under attack today. And while many people will strongly affirm, yes, I believe that there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to avoid, many are not able to identify where in Scripture it explains that. They believe it. I don't question that. And it's true. But they've not accessed the Word themselves to identify where and how that is so. In other words, they cannot explain why they believe what they profess to believe. We have a a bit of a problem. We have a bit of a problem, and and, and I would like to say, well, that doesn't relate to us. We're a, you know, we can, uh, we're a Bible-believing church. This is, there's not, a, there's not a, a Sunday that goes by. There's not a message that is ever preached. And that's true. There's not a message that, that ever goes by that is not that where the Bible is central to it and Jesus Christ is the central part of the message. But what about, what about us as individuals? Do we know the Word of God? We 
We have a copy, perhaps. You probably do. If you don't, we'll get you one. But that's not so much the problem. The problem is we often don't read it. About a year ago, I... uh, let me, let me just, let me back up for a moment. In, in, in making the awareness, now right now, I, I don't know, I, I really don't know if anyone is stinging right now. If you are, here's what I'm not doing. I'm not here today to in any way shame you into reading God's Word. You know because, you know how, how long that works? A day, maybe two. I learned a long time ago that to shame someone or to embarrass someone into doing something, that is an incredibly poor motivation. Uh, Threats. If you don't do this, this is what's going to... No, it doesn't work that way. We have to have the wanted. The thing that is the stain power is, is what do I gain from it if I do it? What do, I, what do I receive? What, 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 what happens to me if and when I do this? About a year ago, I preached three messages. It was in October, so about 11 months ago. I, I preached three messages on the power of God's Word. In those, in those messages, I cited some statistics also, some research research statistics gathered from more than 100,000 people who claimed faith in Christ. Maybe you remember me referring to this, and let me just restate. Whenever you have uh, many, many studies or or research studies, if they have a a testing group of, let's say, 1,000 people, that's a pretty significant study group. If they do polling, if they, if they do a deep dive research into, into something and they gather a hundred, or excuse me, a thousand people, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big sampling of people. A hundred thousand people is an enormous, inc- almost, at least in these matters, unprecedented polling of people. Study, research done on a group of people. It's a huge number of people to do this. So, in other words, these numbers are very, very consistent and very, very accurate. Those research findings of 100,000 people consistently showed that reading the Bible four or more different times throughout a week was the single most significant predictor of life change in persons professing faith in Jesus Christ. Again, reading the Bible, taking God's Word out in whatever your language might be, opening it up and reading, not not huge portions of Scripture, but just consistently, Four or more different times throughout a week, they found from 100,000 people was the single most significant predictor of life change in persons professing faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, there's an incredibly clear correlation between what a person does and how they live. That if this book, if the Word of God 
that many Christians, most Christians I would say, would, would stand and would go to the firing line and say, this is the word of God. But when those same believers begin to read God's word, begin to go deeper into God's word, when they do more than just simply occasionally refer to it, know a few verses about it, and listen to some sermons on it. But when those persons, four or more times, those persons, they have found single most significant predictor of life change. Not big amounts of reading, but consistent. People spending time in God's Word. As followers of Christ who consistently devoted themselves to reading the Bible four or more times a week saw significant decreases in destructive behavior. Let me, let me explain. The people <clears throat> they found from this massive sampling who spent at least four times a week consistently spending time in the Word, they saw certain behaviors that, that really uh, uh, very significant decreases in destructive behaviors, things that hurt them, things that hurt relationships, things that damage them spiritually and in some cases physically. Listen, here are, and you're going to see them in a moment, you're going to, here are some of those findings by percentages, and this is fascinating. Alcoholism, the persons who, who engaged God's Word at least four times a week, alcoholism decreased by 62%. Viewing pornography decreased 59%. Having sex outside of marriage, oh yes, that is still wrong with Scripture. Having sex outside of marriage decreased by 59%. We're not talking just, this is what I believe, but I engage God's Word and it has an effect upon how I live. Gambling down 45%. Destructive feelings about self or others. This would be harming oneself or, or thoughts of suicide or thoughts of harming someone else or killing someone else. Down 32%. Lashing out in anger. Down 31%. Feelings of loneliness. How many people feel alone? Don't raise your hands, but I mean, how many people in our world feel lonely? And this is like, this is the thing that drives them and just grieves them and weighs upon them. But the people who engaged in God's word four or more times a week, feelings of loneliness dropped 30%. Gossiping, doubt, yeah, that, that too. And sometimes known as Facebook, dropped 28%. Lying down 28%. Family neglect. Families, I mean, you talk about a real thing in our society. How many families are neglected? How many families are abandoned? But the people who engaged God's word at least four times a week, family neglect down 26%. Now, I don't know about you, but that I see some of those numbers and I go, wow, God's word is powerful. Do you know what Ephesians 6 calls the word of God? How, how, just let me just don't don't shout it out. How many here know what Ephesians six calls the word of God? Raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Ephesians six calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon. The sword of the spirit is a powerful thing. I've never wielded a sword. I owned a sword for a little while, and a friend of mine was playing with it, cut his leg open, had to go to this hospital. 
I got rid of that thing. I said a pawn shop. I think maybe still. Swords are dangerous things. Swords are, can, be, can be destructive things. And you know what these figures show? These figures show that when the sword of the Spirit is in the hearts and the minds and the words and the eyes of a follower of Jesus Christ, there are certain things that are slashed and cut and defeated and decreased. Glory to God. See, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it says in Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about the, the armor of God. The sword of the Spirit is not armor. The sword of the Spirit is offensive, and it does destruction to the enemy and to the works of the enemy. <coughs> These things shouldn't surprise us. See, God's Word is powerful, but we've gotten away from this. I, I think sometimes we think, you know what, if I, if I just give my life to Jesus and you know, I go to church occasionally, and, and I, I sing some praise songs, and I, and I, you know, maybe get rid of a few things in my life that, 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 that I'm good, and that I'm going to, I'm, I'm, that it's going to be easy to serve Jesus Christ. And then we wonder why we keep get, getting pushed around by some of these things, why, why some of those things have such a bondage, and we fail to understand there is a connection between what we do as followers of Jesus Christ with the power of the Word of God and not doing it, and how our lives are lived. We need to be a generation of believers who re-engages and who says, I understand that this word is powerful. It's not just another book, but it's powerful and it's life-changing. <clears throat> the Barna Research Group also found measures. Now, I just gave you some decreases, right? Some down, downward things. The Barna Research Group also found <coughs> this is another study, also found measurable increases in certain behaviors. Persons who gave themselves to consistent reading of the Bible four or more times a week have a greater sense of joy and peace. Both had an increase of 52% over those who did not read the Word. You, you know what that says? You, you want... You want if, if you're a follower, because this is all based upon uh, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, but if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want more joy and peace, then you better spend more time in the book. There's a connection. You want more joy and peace? Spend time in the Word of God. Satisfaction in family relationships increased 14%. Those who engage in the Word as opposed to those who who did not. Satisfaction in, in friend relationships up 13%. Satisfaction in their job up 19%. That's pretty remarkable. You, you, you go, I don't like my job. Well, you know what? Are you engaging in, your, in, in God's word? Because if it, you might be one of those 19% who says, you know what, the job, don't always like it, but thank God I have it, and all of a sudden you have a greater satisfaction. See, there's a connection with what we do with God's word and how we live. Look at this, look at this next one. Satisfaction in their church, up 39%. Now, hold there for a moment. Now, you, I, I, I remember years ago when I first began pastoring, man, I thought, boy, this is great. This is the greatest church in the world. And, and, and I just thought, and then all of a sudden, somebody would leave, they'd get upset and they'd leave. And, and often it was they, were, they had unforgiveness towards someone else in the church, and, but they would say, well, I'm just not, and, you know, I'm not being fed. And I'm like, man, I'm preaching my heart. I'm from the Word of God. And, 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 and one day I began to realize, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something going on in their life. I always took it personally. 
But how, but how many people are there that, you know, I just don't like, but, but all of a sudden, if they start engaging in God's word, they're going, you know what, I like that body of believers. And I appreciate that person. Oh, sometimes they annoy me, but, but I appreciate that person. Well, I looked at that, and I'm going, wow, we need to, I mean, thank God, we have a pretty agreeable group here, but, but you know what, you, you, want, you want to see your church better? Start reading God's word. There's a connection. So the satisfaction in the balance between work life and personal life, up 26%. How many people, they just go, ah, how do I balance it? But all of a sudden, they start reading God's word, which takes time, right? Not a lot of time, but takes time. And all of a sudden, 26%, more than a quarter of those persons said, you know what, I, I, I have a better balance between work and personal. Folks, I really don't care what GQ magazine says. Life is better when people surrender their lives to Jesus Christ and then spend time in God's word. GQ magazine says it's foolish and ill-intentioned. I'll tell you what, studies show, (laughs) I knew this before the studies and I knew before the GQ magazine quote, but the word of God shows us there's there's a powerful thing in the word of God. You want your life better? You want your life better? Spend some time in God's Word. Spend some time in God's Word. We started off with Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, first word says, blessed. You want to be blessed? You want to be favored of God? (coughs) Then you may need to stop listening to the voices in this world, verse 1, and start listening to the voice of God in His Word, verse 2. You want a blessed life? You want to experience what verse 3 of Psalm chapter 1 says? Then start doing what verses 1 and 2 say in God's Word. Shut out the other voices and listen to the voice of God in His Word. Some of you need to shut off the TV, turn off the computer, close the cell phone, open the Bible, and see your life changed. Friend of mine, friend of mine a few weeks ago made this prayer. He's a good friend of mine. Lives in Illinois. He said, oh Lord, may my commitment to your word exceed my commitment to my cell phone. Ouch. Just let that roll on here. Just chew on that a little bit. One year ago, many of you were here. 11 months ago, it was October. I, uh, I asked you to read at least one chapter a day from the Bible at least four times a week. Not a command. I don't. I can't do that. I don't operate that way. I don't want to operate that way. But I asked you to. I asked for people who said this is your church home. To, to just four times a week. Close yourself off. Open this book, and read 
at least one chapter each time. Again, don't answer. How's it going? How's it going? Three weeks in a row I asked you to do that. I, I actually talked to someone. We had dinner with, with a family a couple months ago. And, and man, it just it blessed me when that, that, uh, that man said, you know, my wife and I started doing that. That's good. You see, it, it, doesn't, it didn't, didn't just work for 100,000 people that happened to be a part of that extensive study. It, happens to, it can happen to anyone because there's power in God's Word. There's power in God's Word. But only if we access it. One of the great honors and privileges that I have as a pastor and have had as a pastor for almost 30 years is to bring messages from God's Word. Ah, what a privilege. I've been doing it a long time. Preach thousands of messages. It is an honor that I take seriously and I devote enormous amounts of time and attention to it. But if this message, if this message is the only spiritual food you receive each week, you will not experience much of what I have shared with you today. If the only spiritual food is this message or an occasional podcast or one verse in a devotional. I have nothing against devotionals, but it, it cannot compare to the Word of God. I like appetizers too, but they won't feed you. If this is the majority of the spiritual food that you are getting every week, you're starving and you're wondering why you're getting pushed around by the enemy, there's a connection. If you leave this place and you go to a buffet here in town and you spend a good amount of money and you load up, and I mean you eat hard and heavy, you'll be hungry by tomorrow. And you'll be hungrier by Wednesday. And you'll be weak by Friday. you'll start trembling on Saturday. And next Sunday, you were to eat out at that buffet again, it won't sit very well. And I'm concerned that there are people who are loading up, eating well from here or some other place where there's a well-prepared meal full of Scripture, yet they're starving because they've not learned to feed themselves and say, oh God, I thank God for the fellowship of believers and what happens when we come together. 
But that's four days away, five days away, six days away, two days away. I'm going to spend time in God's Word. If you have not consistently done so, I want you to begin reading the Bible this week. See, here's the thing. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not saying these things to say, all right, now go and feel terrible about yourselves. No, it's not too late. <laughs> it's not too late. Here's the good news. It's not too late. I want you to, st- I want you to start making some changes this week. I want you to begin reading the Bible this week. I'll give you some directions on how to do that in just a moment. But I want you to do that this week. But I warn you, when you do this, you need to get ready. Because God will begin to speak to you from His Word. He will begin to speak to you from His Word. You're not going to hear an audible voice. (coughs) I've been serving Jesus for like, 45 years, 50 years, something like that. And you know what? I've yet to hear his audible, audible voice. I've never heard the voice of God. If it happens, I'm going to let you know the next Sunday. I've never heard his voice. But he speaks to me every time I go into this book. Every time. Sometimes it's just very quiet. Sometimes it's almost as if the words lift off the page in three dimensions. And it hits my spirit and I said, God just spoke to me. And I need that. Not because I'm a preacher. I need it because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ just like you. Get ready. You begin doing that, I promise you. I promise you. Actually, God's word promises you. But I promise you this morning, God will begin to speak to you if you consistently do so. You're going to be facing something that day and you're going, to, you're going to be working your way through that portion of the Bible and all of a sudden that thing that you're facing or the thing that you faced yesterday that, that is weighing upon you, all of a sudden God is going to speak to you. <coughs> He's going to speak to you from that, that portion that you're reading that day and you're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to leave that place knowing that you heard from God. Not His voice, but His voice. but only if you are in his word. Get ready. You're going you're gonna to face some temptations, but suddenly you're going to notice that there's something different because now, now you've been in his presence. Now you've been spending time with him. Now you've been conversing with him. He's been speaking to you, and you're going to be facing something. You're going to say, no, I'm not even gonna, I don't even want to do that anymore. Why? Because it, it harms the presence that I have with him. It'll change your life, I promise you. It will change your life. Take me up on this. I ask you, spend time in God's Word. and He will speak to you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And I want to hear, I want to hear some of those. I want to hear some of those testimonies. I, I, please tell me. Please tell me. Please tell me. You're going to hear something, the second part of this in two weeks. You're going to hear this, but, but I, I, listen to me. Start doing this. It's going to be awesome. So here are some very simple directions. Number one, get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible in your language, we will get you a Bible in your language. We will do whatever is necessary. So get a Bible. 
If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. That's not the hard part, but get a Bible. (coughs) Secondly, get alone with the Bible. Turn other things off. The place where I read my Bible, there's not a radio in that room. There's not a TV in that room. Sometimes the dog is in that room and she barks at people walking by. That that annoys me. We're going to get rid of the dog. (laughs) Get alone with the Word of God. Just get alone with the Word of God. Turn Turn all of the other voices off, some of which are wicked, some of which are scoffing, some of which you shouldn't listen to. Turn it off. Open the Word. Get alone with the Word of God. Third thing, if you've never consistently read, start in Matthew. I got nothing wrong with the Old Testament. Well, we're doing a study right now on a fresh look at the Old Testament on Wednesday nights. Come and join us. But if you've never consistently read through the Bible, don't start in Genesis. Start in Matthew. Why? Because the very center person of all of Scripture, Old and New Testament, is the person of Jesus Christ. And Matthew is Matthew's account. Matthew was one of the followers of Jesus. He walked with Jesus for three years. He was there, and and he saw the resurrected Christ. He saw Jesus ascended into heaven. Matthew's account is is amazing. And when you get done with Matthew, just just one, maybe even just one chapter a day, just read through Matthew, and then you're going to hear Mark's account. Mark's account is kind of what we figure is that it was more Peter's because Peter, Mark was not one of the disciples, but he was close friends with Peter and we, we kind of think that Peter shared with Mark, and Mark wrote it down. And when you get done with Mark, you're going to come to Luke. Luke also was not one of the disciples, but, but he knew a lot of things, and he, and he brings things from a little bit of a different perspective, more information about Jesus. And then John, one of the disciples, completely different perspective, but all truth. It adds to the person of Jesus. And you're going to read through Acts, and it's the history book of the early church. <laughs> and you're going to read some of these letters that, that, that correct some of the things and inform certain things and give amazing instruction. And you get down through Revelation, and then you're going to start in Genesis. You're going to see the whole creation and how everything is getting ready to look to Jesus. It's powerful. So would you do this? Number four, read at least four times this week. I'm giving you very practical things. Get a Bible. Get alone with the Bible. If you've not consistently done so, start in Matthew. Read at least four times this week. Start tomorrow. Don't wait till Tuesday. If, start today. Today, first day of the week. One, one. Tuesday, read it again. Oh, and you know what? If you want to read every day, feel free. You can. Four times. Just, just. Take me up on this four times this week. Read it, and then finally read at least one chapter each time. It doesn't have to be long. It's not going to take you long. But I'll tell you what, even, to, even just a small part can make a significant difference. Very practical things. You see, I want a blessed life. I don't know how long you and I have. But Jesus, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, Satan comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He identified what Satan does. 
saw some of the things that he does and the decrease when we read the word of God. But we see what Satan does. We don't have to look very far. But then Jesus continued on. The best part of it, he says, but I have come to give you life and that abundantly. In other words, a better life. I want, how many here want a better life than what you have right now? Some of you don't. Okay, that's fine. No, it isn't fine. I want better. I want all he has for me. It's going to happen in large part when we give ourselves to the reading of God's word. So here's what I'd like you to do. Would you stand with me if you can? At all possible, please stand with me. We're going to close in prayer. These altars, as you know, are always open. There's, 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 uh, if, if you'd like to grab someone and pray with you, uh, you certainly can. We always want to make that available. But, but I want us to, to just right now, collectively, together and individually, come before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be a person of your word. I want you to change my life as I do my part. All of these things, by the way, you can't make your life a bit better unless you first surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't read your way into favor with God. You first come to him, surrender your life to him, it's all based upon it. You have to be a first a follower of Jesus Christ and then as a follower, follow him in his word. So that's number one. But then get in this word. So right now, would you bow your heads with me? Is there anyone here this morning that would just say, you know, I, I want that, but I haven't done the first part yet and that is to surrender my life to Christ. For him to change me from the inside I want to do that. I, I want to read God's Word. I want my life to be better. I want to decrease in certain things, and I want to increase in some of those. I want some of those numbers in my life. I want them to be reflected in my life. But I haven't done the first part yet, and that is surrender my life to Christ. If that's you this morning, would you just do this? Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you, and, and then I'm going to pray with all of us. But before we go, is there anyone here that would just say, yeah, I've not yet surrendered my life to Jesus, but I want to? Is there anyone here? up here. Thank you. Starts right there. Starts right there. Is there anyone else? Two persons. Is there anyone else? Okay, we're going to pray. But I'd like you all to pray with me. Would you do this? Maybe maybe you raised your hands, maybe you didn't, but, but particularly for these two who did. I want you, this is a very holy moment. Because if we're going to pray a prayer, if you, if, if you really sincerely believe this prayer, then God is going to begin to change you on the inside. So would you pray this prayer with me and, and agree with me in prayer? If you mean it, powerful things are going to happen. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead for me. My life is in your hands.
I'm no longer in charge. Make me like you. Help me as I study your word to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, that is a, that is a prayer of surrender, and it's, an, it, it's, it's the most amazing beginning that will never end. But now before we leave this place, our time is up, but I want to pray with you. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and take it in your hands. If you have a, if you have a cell phone that has, uh, or a, a, a notebook that has an electronic uh, copy of the Bible, go ahead and take that in your hands. It's the Bible. Lord, we take these in our hands, but I pray that it would be within our, our ears or our sight and in our hearts. I pray that your word, as I consistently and diligently spend time in your word, I ask that you will change my life that what happened to so many others would happen in my life. Help me, Lord, to to be a person, a man or a woman of the Bible. This I pray. We pray together. Now your blessing upon us as we leave this place, as we fellowship together, as we meet each other, as minister to each other. Help us throughout this week, Lord, to do your will and to be your people in this world. It's lost without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the power, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word.